talk show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes we're going to be talking all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter Jane Payton, who is one of the UK's leading experts on beer and cider. In fact, she is a certified beer sommelier and or sommelier, sommelier. Sommelier. But you can say it how you want, yeah. really. That's I'll bit, allow it. It's a bit posher. And also author of numerous books on the subject. Uh, we're talking about cheese today, Jane. Um, Can't wait. Love cheese. Me too. Fascinated to know how it's made, actually. It's a little bit like when you think about alcoholic drinks. They start from something and end up as something else. And it's the same with cheese. And I'm fascinated. We've got one of the best cheese people in the land, in the studio. We have indeed. And and, and I hope you're going to give us some recommendations on what to drink with cheese. Because a lot of people are going to have a cheese board probably in the evening or maybe after their Christmas dinner. Um, So I'd be very interested for you to tell us what you think would go with cheese because red wine is not it no it's it in it's it in some cases but there are many many more better options to choose from and i'm going to give those options don't think that's a word um today we are joined by the lovely robin betts of winterdale cheese barn hi robin hi there you've got a nice croaky <laughs> voice at the moment haven't you just I have, recovering yeah. from a cold yes it wasn't the dreaded so uh, uh, it's yeah, not the dreaded but, but it's a bit nasty of a cold. cold so, so it's husky voice he's got a very husky <laughs> voice today um and then uh, just before we we talk to robin about his award-winning winterdale cheese i'm gonna i'm gonna go over to the cheesemakers of canterbury do you know jane bowyer at all i don't but i'd like she's to she's an amazing lady she's an amazing lady um and the cheesemakers of canterbury they're over just just outside faversham I suppose it's fairly near Canterbury's. And she has been in the the dairy business for 20 years, but then decided to start making cheese on her own. Pretty brave decision, I think. She wanted to make this amazing cheese called Ashmore, uh, which was a traditional recipe. Um, uh, And apparently it's in some... It began life in a smallholder's uh, textbook by the North of Scotland College of Agriculture. So she unearthed this recipe. Uh, these cheese-making couple in Wiltshire uh, were making this Ashmore cheese and they'd planned to retire. So they passed on all their skills, equipment and that traditional recipe uh, to Jane and she's been making it ever since. I love that story and it's also the, the fact that cheese has heritage and we do need to pass it down through generations and they've done that to her and she's brought it to a different part of the country and popularising it in a different way which yeah. is a wonderful story. So um, so I went over to see Jane and she took me all around. She literally took me from the start all the way all the way through the cheese making process um, and then she gave me a big wedge of Ashmore, the Ashmore that I was just talking about. So shall we listen to how she makes it and then, um, then we'll have a tasting? Oh yeah. Okay, so here's Jane from the Cheesemakers of Canterbury. Hi there, uh, my name is Sue Nelson and today I'm at Dargate, which is just outside Faversham and I'm with Jane Bowyer. Hi Jane. Hi, yeah. And we're in your little sort of unit here. I've, I've opened the door and I've got all your cheeses right at the front, just mm-hmm. as soon as I come in, which mm-hmm. are very familiar with me. I'm very familiar with those sort of labels. So will you give me a quick cheese making lesson? 
I will try. Okay, let's do that now. Okay. So I've walked into the, um, the first bit of the cheese making process. It's very, very humid in here. Everything's misted up. I look gorgeous, by the way. I have a hairnet on. <laughs> and we've obviously done all the health and safety things. So I've got a vat. Do you call it a vat, Jane? Yeah, cheese vat. So I've got a cheese vat, which look, is about the size of a, of a bath at home, but it's much, much deeper. 500 litres of milk. Um, and you've got what looks like a garden rake, a wooden one. <laughs> yes, that's what it is, basically. This is just, it looks like it's only full of milk at the moment. But presumably while you're dipping down, what, what are you doing as you're, you're stirring with this rake? Right, this is basically to get the temperature of the milk up from when we collect it in the morning. It's at, say, three degrees. And then we just heat it up very gradually to a nice warm temperature of about 30 degrees. So that's like almost sort of body temperature. You're not, you're not boiling it or anything like that? No, we don't pasteurise here. This is literally raw milk that was picked up this morning. Um, and then when you got it to the right temperature, that's the point we add starter culture. So just explain to me what a culture is then. Because, because you can't... The, the way that you make cheese, you don't, you don't just get milk and, and, and wait for it to separate. Culture's been developed over years. We buy a, sort of based on a cheddar or you can get a brie type one. There are numerous different starter cultures that will create your own recipe. But yeah, basically you're adding that starter culture to this milk to get it working. And what does starter culture look like? Uh, ready break. <laughs> there you go, that's it. So is that like when you're making bread, you know, you put the yeast in to make something happen, create a chemical reaction? Is it the same type of thing as that? Yes, it is basically. Yeah, you're just using bacteria. And of course, like when we go in the maturing room later, that cheese that's sitting in there is actually alive. Um, and that's why you've got your ammonias and your smells, because it's a living process. It's a living thing. Mm. I feel mean about eating cheese now. No, I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've had a look at that. What's the next stage? Right, now the actual bit now where we've been stirring it, um, we've just added the rennet. And this is the part where once it's stirred, we leave it to stand for a period of time, which can vary. Basically, in the next 40 minutes, roughly, it should turn to a blancmange state. Um, so can you, um, I'm, I'm going really back to basics here. What exactly is rennet? Rennet can be vegetarian or animal. Um, traditionalists use animal rennet, which I think is from the third stomach of a calf. And that's used in a lot of traditional cheeses. We've always used a vegetarian rennet. But what does rennet do? And what does it, again, what does it look like? <laughs> again, it's in a bottle, it's a, a liquid. What does rennet do? Does it actually give it its taste, its saltiness or something? Or no, no, is it, it part of the way it helps yeah. solidify? It solidifies the, the actual... Uh, milk uh, so that then we once it's solidified and then it's at the right texture that we want that's when we cut it so as soon as you cut the cheese uh, or the, the blancmange state then that's where it goes to curds and the whey and then we actually stand here for 50 minutes and stir it all by hand and then from that point on um, when you're it's, this is what they call the scalding part yeah, I mean when it first starts it's quite blobby yeah. But by 50 minutes, it, it's into little individual curd pieces. And then after that, you, um, we just let it all settle and go and have lunch for 50 minutes. <laughs> right, what happens next? And then when we pick up milk, 90% of it we'll throw away as whey. So when we come back after lunch, um, we drop the whey outside and goes into tanks. And we've got a local pig farmer. And so everything gets used, really? Everything gets used. So we're left with 10% which is your curd, and that's what we work. And then this little gadget, wherever it's gone, that gadget there is the peg mill. So we actually put all the curd through that to shred it up, yep. which then goes into these moulds, and then they're all wrapped in muslin. And then they were put in these light presses yesterday, 
and then today they've been taken out, turned over, and put into the hard press. Fab. Okay. Right, Brilliant. Jury room. Yeah. So I've now worked in, walked into the maturation room, which is huge, and it's full of shelves, uh, just wooden shelves, wooden racking, and there are literally thousands of cheeses in here. The smell. Um, I've got um, um, a sort of real smell of. I don't know what it is. How would you describe that smell, Jane? Um, Ammonia. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. And I've got racks and racks and racks of cheese. Um, and, and this uh, here, rows and rows and rows of it. Um, this is, is this your famous Ashmore? This is the Ashmore, yes. And you can see how yellow it is um, in the early stages when we first put it on the shelf. We had this purpose-built, this room, which keeps the humidity exactly how we need it and the temperature, which is critical. Because the one thing with cheese, and some people say, oh, well, you know, it mustn't be too cold, it mustn't be too hot. But actually the real enemy of keeping cheese and getting it right is having the moisture. Yeah, I mean, anyone can make cheese at home. It's, it's the maturing that is the problem because it's the, the combination of a temperature and humidity. A normal fridge will just dry a cheese out. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm looking at it. It's a lovely lady down there. And what she seems to be just like patting and... and, and I don't know, she seems like she's taking stroking, care and um, yes. stroking those cheeses. Well, why is she, she just, you know, lovelyly, lovingly stroking those cheeses? When you look at these early cheeses, they've got no mould on them. Yeah. Um, They're very, they, they look like butter in terms yeah. of colour. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you can see as the age goes on, so the youngest at the bottom yeah. are literally yellow. And then as they grow older, they start to get a, uh, like a mould on them, which is in this room, and it's on the older cheeses. So by... A, we have to turn the cheeses every day to keep the moisture um, through the cheese and so it doesn't sort of stick to the boards either. But the whole time when you pick it up, you're stroking the cheese so that the spores which are on there, which are starting to grow, get spread. spread. Yeah. So you, you're actually, if you can see that cheese there, you can almost see like a little fluff coming along. Yeah. So that's what you need to stroke in. And at some point, you might also see like handprints where someone's come along with all the mould on their hands and actually <laughs> yeah. got hold of the cheese. And over even just days, the mould will grow. So, so when we're talking about doing things by hand, I mean, you're seriously, seriously talking about doing things by hand. You, you know, this lovely lady's just patting these cheeses, putting them back, turning them over. That's not how processed cheese is made, is it? No, and you can tell the difference. And you well. can tell the difference, yeah. and I think that's really important. And, you know, some people say, oh, there's a price difference. Wow, this must... You know, just the, the, te- the care that's taken. So we've got this lovely Ashmore, which I'm hoping you'll allow me to take a little bit back. What happens once it's matured fully? I, I believe this is about four months generally, something like that. Usually we say the Ashmore's at six months. And that is that is you patting it, looking at it, speaking yeah. to it, turning <laughs> it over for six months. Yeah, Ali, our lady here, is the one that talks to him most of the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and then what happens to it after that is, that is, is then once it's done its six months in the maturation room, it's ready to sell. Yeah. It's ready to eat. Yeah. This is the six months old stuff. Now, these almost look grey on the outside. I've had kids up here thinking they're blocks of concrete. They do look (laughs) like blocks of concrete. But in a way, they're beautiful because they've got this mottled grey and it's completely uniform now over the whole of the cheese. That does change, though, seasons. Um, Sometimes it can be quite bluey grey, whitey grey. Sometimes if you get a very wet winter, um, you might get the odd bit of pink mold on there as well so again it reflects in the natural state of the cheese really great so what um what cheddar do you advise that i take back oh, what ashmore. Do you think? Ashmore. ashmore farmhouse yes you've got to have that one ashmore farmhouse yeah. well that's brilliant well jane bowyer cheesemakers of canterbury that's the one um 
Thank you so much. And, and I now understand what the difference is between this and supermarket cheese and why it tastes so much better. Thank you so much, Jane. No worries. Thank you. Well, that was interesting, wasn't it? Fascinating. Fascinating. And also, when you go around there, she's got all the old equipment, like wooden things, and, and it's absolutely traditionally made. Um, and I think you can probably tell. Um, so I've also got some other of, of Jane's uh, cheese here. Robin, before we go on to the story, um, you know, your family story and tasting your cheese, we're going to have a little taste of, um, should we start with the Boya, obviously named after Jane Boya. <laughs> so do you want a quick, um, do, do you mind cutting that up, Jane? Absolutely. So that's that's the, the little wedge there. So that one's sort of like a, uh, a brie, I would say. I don't think, are you allowed to say brie, Robin? You are, yes. So, so it's not it's not a designated name. No, no. So you can say um, British brie. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, this is a soft cheese. Does that mean generally soft cheese, it's not as long to make? You're, you're exactly right, actually. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a quicker cheese to make. So um, unlike you know, the uh, Ashmore or certainly the Winter Del Shore, uh, which does take, you know, for us, it takes about 10 months to mature. Whereas this, uh, this wonderful little soft cheese here. Jane, be, cut be me a bigger bit than that, honestly. That's <laughs> tiny. I want a big piece. You're having the remainder of it. We're taking little slivers and your piece is the rest of it. <laughs> But we have got quite a lot of cheese to try. We have got quite a lot of cheese. Now, now the thing that you <laughs> notice you. with this is, is, is that a natural rind? You yes. Can eat, you can eat this rind, can't you? Yeah, you, you can eat this rind. Um, you know, obviously this is not my speciality. Um, I'm into the hard cheese, you know, but um, but yeah, it's a, it's got a lovely uh, white moulded rind on it that's edible. Uh, you don't have to eat it, of course, but it mm. is edible, so. Um, and can you eat all rind or is there some that you can't? Um, well, pretty much. I mean, on our cheese, you can eat the rind. Um, but you're, you're getting a completely different flavour in the rind to what mm. the rest of the cheese is going to be. So it depends whether you want to make it... Mm. So I'm enjoying this cheese. It's really nice, isn't it? That's good. Um, whether you want to make it a complete story and go from the right from the rind, which is going to get the earthiness of wherever it's matured, well, certainly for us because we're in a cave, and then going to the centre of the cheese, and it's almost like the pure virgin of the cheese, I suppose, in the, in the middle, where it hasn't really been affected by the atmosphere on the outside. So, so a cheese matures from the outside in. Yeah, you, and you'll see on this the, on these wonderful blocks we've got here, you'll see it's slightly drier on the outside because it is a natural uh, rinded cheese and it's not wrapped in nasty old plastic to mature. Yeah. Um, we, we cloth wrap our cheese. So you can see how it's slightly drier on the outside and then you get to the centre and, of course, it's got that lovely even consistency in the centre. Um, so what do you think of this brie? I mean, it's it's um, sometimes you'll have a, a, a brie and it actually is very, very creamy but doesn't really taste of much. This has got whacking taste I agree it? completely there's so much flavour there and I'm, I'm the same I'm, I'm not keen on young brie because there's not an awful lot of flavour this is also a firmer texture as well I think so you get a rather rubbery um, characteristic sometimes with brie but this one's got that firmness to it and it's so much flavour it's wonderful I tell you what's really good about it is the often with maturing this type of cheese it can be a little bit um, finickety but you can see it's difficult to explain this on radio isn't it when, yeah. when we're looking at something but I'll try best I can but you've got this wonderful even texture in the in the soft cheese you haven't so got that chalky bit through the middle no, which sometimes no. you get which means it hasn't really been made yeah. properly so it's matured really nicely and evenly um, it's got a slight little saltiness with it um, not too much maybe just urging on the edge there but, but really good. gives it a bit of a kick, I suppose, when you, mm. when you start t t tasting it. So it's really nice little cheese. That. It's gorgeous. Mm. Now, I'm just tasting the Chaucer. 
which I think is Jane's sort of more camembert-y sort of thing. Um, do have a taste of that. Have you? Yeah. I've just tasted it and I, I like that texture again. The, these are That one's a bit more crumbly though. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of um, a Wensleydale, that crumbliness yeah. of it. I'm from up that way. Uh, so Wensleydale is, is uh, the nearest cheesery or the nearest um, type of cheese to, to our area. Again, you I know, with camembert, I find them rubbery and yeah. that isn't. I'm, I'm really enjoying these textures. And again, the the the, um, the rind's okay as well. Robin's giving it a good old analysis. <laughs> there, he's having a deep just look. At, yeah, looking at the texture of it, um, it's probably if if you wanted to go for a more of a camembert style cheese, then that would be a little bit too firm, really, in my opinion. Um, but it's it a bit too. Too I think it's a bit too for, cold really. as well, actually. Probably. Um, yeah, that probably the, the studio is very cold, by the way. If, uh, listeners are <laughs> <laughs> freezing. Yeah, that's really probably, probably not really helping. But uh, no, but it's a lovely little cheese. Uh, the mold on it is amazing. Really clean mold. Um, so yeah, they've done really well with that. Um, but it, it, it is it is firmer. Um, but again, a, a wonderful taste taste of that cheese. Now we've got the Ashmore, which which is a, a cheddar. Uh, and as Jane was saying, you know, normally that 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 will mature for something like six months. But but she's got an ancient Ashmore, which will mature for a year, which is, which is amazing when you think about it. Tell us about the two cheeses that you've bought, uh, Robin. Yeah, we've just stu- stuck to the to the Winterdale. Um, we did think about making a, a bit more of a, a, a variety of cheeses like Jane, but we've probably stuck to our guns and, and just, uh, I think it's because of the cave that we've got and, and these types of cheeses, the hard cheeses mature really well in a, in a cave, whereas with a camembert or a brie, uh, we did try, but you just can't really mature that in a cave because it attracts all the spores and, and instead of having a, a lovely white mould like Jane's got, it'll be a rather disastrous looking mould. So, um, so explain what this cave is like. It actually yeah. is a is it a proper well, cave? Is it a man-made cave? Yeah, it's a man-made cave. I mean, what it is, it was a natural dip where we where we built our cheese dairy and we thought, well, why not make use of this natural dip? And we've dug it out um, into the chalky uh, downs, North Downs. And so you've got where you make the cheese, you literally go down a, a set of steps and you're down into the cave underneath the cheese dairy. It's It retains the uh, temperature all year round. Of Well, it fluctuates a little bit in the summer, but pretty much between 12 to 14 degrees which is perfect and yes it's it's got its wonderful wonderful high humidity down there if you made a certain type of cheese and then your neighbor made it or somebody 100 miles away made it would yeah. that local microflora impact the flavor so with the same recipe yeah it, it you you're you're completely right there and i remember when a very uh, um, well-known cheesemaker uh, moved their whole production and they lost that uh, that original terroir, the original mould that made their cheese special. So, yeah, where you mature your cheese... And so, so I'm sorry just to interrupt, Robin, but so what you're saying is they did every single thing the same. They had the yeah. same equipment, yeah. had the same recipe, yeah. same milk, everything, moved it somewhere else and it yeah. tastes different. Well, you know, it's the old age adage, that, you know, they, they did really well with their cheese, won many awards, got bigger and bigger, had to move, and then they obviously made some money so they made this wonderful purpose-made dairy you know swanky and new and clean sterile uh, and then they made this brand new store and they lost that they lost that connectivity with you what was wow. what was their cheese really yeah so jane i'm going to tell you a little bit about robin oh yes please so the betts family have been farming in kent since 1495 mm. wow uh, but robin decided to start making cheese with his first released in 2006 his trial batch 
So he'd never done it before. Received a bronze award in the World Cheese Awards in June 2006. Yeah. That's incredible. incredible. I know. Didn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> no. Straight away. Uh, you now have 100 Frisian Holstein cows, I think, that supply the milk uh, that you need to make the Winterdale Oak Smoked and the Winterdale Shaw which we have in front of us. But you do sell other cheeses, but these are the ones yep. that you personally make. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the, the, the Winterdale Shaw first, and, and can we have a taste, please? Of course you can. Yeah. Right, so yes, uh, Winterdale Shaw, sure, it's basically a cheddar-style cheese in essence, um, but very, very traditional. Uh, so, of course, we cloth wrap it in cotton muslin uh, and then mature it in this wonderful cove that we've been talking about that gives it that wonderful earthiness towards the uh, rind. And then, as I say, go to the centre of the cheese and you're into the wonderful pure virgin cheese, I suppose. Um, but so, can a, so can a cheese taste different at the edge than it does in the middle, just yep. slightly? Yeah, well, I mean, if you go near to that edge, you're going to get the... You will. I've just eaten that and it's still going and still going and mm. stuff. And still tastes. And it's it. the what smoky one, isn't it? I'm, ta- I'm eating the smoked one. Is this the yeah. smoked one? Yeah, that's the okay. smoked yeah. I, I love smoked cheese anyway, but that's <laughs> so subtle, that smokiness. Yeah. I love it. So beautiful. How do you smoke it? Is it yeah. through malt or, uh, or well, wood? No, or? What we do is actually we send it down to our smoker at Flimwell. It's That's a craft in itself, actually, smoking smoking any kind of product. So they smoke the cheese for us, but basically it's done in a very traditional way, whereby um, the we cut them in half, the rounds, obviously take the cloth off, cut them in half, and then uh, they put it into their oak-fired kiln. So it's cold, obviously cold-smoked. Can't hot-smoke cheese, that wouldn't work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they cold-smoke it for about 20, 24 hours. Where smoked-flavoured... This is very diff- different. Here we go. So smoked, smoked cheese and smoked flavored cheese. Now the smoked flavored is that's just a flavor. That's just yeah. a drops they of just, stuff that's gone from somewhere. They just stirring this tar- tarry old stuff. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's rubbish. Smoke. Yeah, yeah. So that that the Winterdale Shaw is lovely. Mm. In fact, I think I prefer it, and I normally like smoked cheese. Uh, yeah, it's it's got a lovely soft crumbly texture. Mm. It's not crumbly, but it's, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It's got that gorgeous tang and it's got so much flavour that's retained mm. on, on your palate. It's just... Oh, You'll get that length of flavour and that's down to, obviously, we're milking our cows and we finish milking by about, I don't know, nine o'clock and then we get that very milk warm so we don't even cool the milk so it goes straight into our stainless steel tank and then we move it to the cheese dairy and so we're using the milk within about 10 minutes of milking yeah. the cows. So you've got raw, fresh milk, really, really fresh. Just going to taste the Ashmore, the Jane's Ashmore, compared to Yeah, I, do, I, do, I definitely do the blue last because oh, the yeah, yeah, be it'll, a, uh, yeah. it'll blow your head off the, the blue <laughs> do you mind just cutting us a little bit of ashmore jane um is, is there any difference between that and yours in in the way that jane makes it do you know uh, i guess they're fairly similar cheeses you know they're hard cheeses and a, and a cheddar style kind of cheese um, both i think they're both cloth wrapped yeah yeah, um, yeah so um so they're going to have their similarities um i suppose the only difference winterdale we we just started like you said from nothing and yeah and jane got the ashmore, ashmore yeah cheese. so this for me is 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 not as um buttery and and crumbly is still as strong as robin's i would say um completely different taste profile they are completely different and texturally they're different as well very Mm. okay now we're going to taste the uh king hot uh blue in a minute um why would you not have red wine with cheese loads of people say you just you know they think that's the go-to but actually it destroys the red wine the flavor of the red wine doesn't it i think it does um some wines go with cheese i mean i I think um, i I like a dessert white actually with cheese yes i can see why that sweetness of of the uh, dessert wine with the savory and all the saltiness of the cheese i think white wine goes well with 
the breeze, the camemberts, those softer, delicate cheeses. So you get that acidity with that white wine. But I don't think red wine and cheese go together. It's just, I can't describe it. It's just not right for me. But I know a lot of people love it. For me, it should be beer or, or tannic cider with um, with yeah. bigger, stronger cheeses. Yeah. Try the King Cot Blue. Just, just getting into that. Now, obviously, blues. Uh, th- th- you've got the, you know, you've got to get the the, the blue thing, which is is mould, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Robin. You pierce the cheese, um, and that's purely. It's not introducing the mould. Oh. It's in- introducing the air that then activates the mould. Uh-huh. So the mould is added into that milk at the beginning. Um, so you've got the moulds, but the the multiples that you want in there are added in very early on. Um, that's made the inside of my mouth go like. It, yeah, it really is, isn't it? It's like... Mm. Mm. Um, so That's you, got a, a length of flavour, uh-huh. unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, so just by piercing the cheese is allowing the air into the cheese to then get this mould, you know, really excited and start growing. Yeah. So that's yeah. the idea of it. So I'm just going to give you a, a few facts and then I'm going to ask you your recommendations for the ideal cheese board uh, for Christmas or for any, any, any event. UK cheese export market. So we export a lot of cheese worth £675 million. The sales of British cheese in France has increased in the last couple of years, while the sales of French cheese in the UK have declined. So I think more and more people are understanding that we make amazing cheese in the UK. And there are more styles of British cheese than there are styles of French cheese, aren't there? Absolutely. And, and, and you know, please don't buy French. <laughs> if you can find the equivalent, you know, why would you not uh, buy some amazing British cheese? Apparently, the average Brit eats 30 grams a day. It's massive. Yeah. We're going to eat more than that today. <laughs> Blooming right. Well, we're going to fight over that, aren't we? We are definitely going to fight. So, um, thank you so much for joining us, Robin. Your recommendations for the perfect cheese board. <laughs> We've got it here, haven't we? I mean, this is great. All from Kent. I mean, that's got to be good, isn't it, at the end of the day? But just adding into that, you're right. Um, France, uh, we beat France in terms of varieties of cheeses, which a lot of people don't realise. Mm. But the other thing about buying British is that you, you, you're thinking about the carbon side of it, you know. And supporting the local economies. Yeah, um, exactly. People struggling with uh, some of these operations at the moment so, pl- so yeah. please support you know wherever you live in the UK support your local I, I would suggest we- we've got Kent cheeses because we're recording this in Kent today um, <laughs> my my, um, my recommendations get a nice blue get a really lovely soft uh, and get a and get a sort of cheddar hard semi hard get three beautiful pieces of cheese don't get ten <laughs> different ones just just concentrate on three lovely ones your recommendations i'm i'm the same as you so have a softer one that's delicate in flavor and its texture as well again you know a semi-hard one a lincolnshire poacher or some big flavored real sort of savory cheese and always a blue always but eat them in order otherwise yes. the blue will destroy the other ones definitely so, so definitely eat them in order so yeah your, your blue is your finale finale and then finally I was given some amazing advice by uh, Patricia Michelson who started La Fromagerie off uh, Marleybone yeah. High Street who is one of the you know she's, she did this decades ago an, inc- an incredible lady so she told me the way that you keep cheese if you've got, if you've got a, a beautiful piece of cheese they're quite expensive so, so you want to keep it over the, the Christmas period what you need to do is you get a Tupperware box you get a J cloth or something like that get it damp wring it out then lay it on the bottom of the Tupperware box um, cover your cheese in uh, you know wax paper or definitely not cling film and then put two cubes of sugar in there because the sugars, the sugar will absorb any smells that don't go with the cheese. Put the lid in that, 
every time you use it, unwrap it and then put a new lot of, don't wrap it back in the thing. And that will keep for a good couple of weeks in the best condition, preferably in the vegetable drawer, not at the top of the fridge. And, and that will keep beautifully, uh, keep it in prime condition. That's good piece really, of advice. Really good advice. Yeah. So thank you, Robin. Uh, and just tell us what we've got here. So we have got the Winterdale. Right, you've got Winterdale Shaw on the left there, on my left. Yeah. And then obviously Winterdale Oak Smokes. I, I, for, I should have said this, but obviously last uh, three weeks ago, World Cheese Awards were in Oviedo, Spain, and the Winterdale Shaw won silver, Yay. and the uh, smoked one bronze. That's oh, amazing. And there's over about 4,100 cheeses. Well done. Well, I'm hardly Great. surprising. Oh, a stunning. <laughs> Flying the flag cheese. for Ken, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. And don't forget, you can go and, and, and visit Winterdale Cheese Barn. You can. You certainly can. Um, and you, you can, can just rock up. Yes. And we've got a window into the dairy. You can see where it's all made. Uh, and if you open the right door, you can even peer down into the cave. There, yeah, yeah. Uh, the famous cellar. cave. The famous <laughs> cave. I think so, Food um, Talk Show needs to go on the road, doesn't it? We do. So we'll definitely have a link so that if you want to go and visit, uh, you can go and visit Winterdale Cheese Barn. Brilliant. So you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. Uh, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Audible, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Jane Payton. If you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, just like Robin and his family, please get in touch with our producer, Simon, by me emailing him on hello at foodtalk.co.uk. UK. I'm having trouble with my words today. Um, and if Jeez. you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts uh, on topics from snail farming to gin making, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Have a good week. Bye-bye.